I consider counseling really, uh, it can be very much part of the discipleship process, hmm. uh, walking alongside believers and helping them to grow. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says with God you can and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. So today on the Kindling Fire, I have Orlando DeSalva. And Orlando and I go way back. And so a lot of the people on the show uh, might know some a little bit of my backstory. You maybe read Fatherhood Faceplants, and um, and you know that uh, it always hasn't been a smooth road, and there was a lot that I had to learn um, in uh, becoming more more like like Christ and become a whole and healthy person, and a lot of that included counseling uh, for me personally. And Orlando and I have a history because uh, God put him in my life at some of the, the darkest hours of my life to really be a, a voice of, of wisdom and of counsel um, when things were very confusing for me. And he was able to really help me um, kind of keep going, uh, knowing that God was good and God was up to something good, even though it didn't look good at the time. And uh, so I'm very excited to introduce Orlando to you guys. And we're going to be talking about um, uh, some topics around inner healing, about spiritual warfare, um, about uh, discernment and in our feelings, and just a lot of different topics that I really hope will really help you uh, grow. And if need be, take a next step for your own personal journey to come whole and healthy in Christ. And uh, Orlando, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Sure. Thanks for having me, Troy. And I, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm glad that you um, we, we had a chance to walk together uh, way back when, and that as a brother in the Lord, that I was able to, uh, to encourage you during that time. And I just praise God for what he's done uh, in your life during these last years. So praise God for that. Yeah, um, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, so a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a father of two wonderful kids who are both in college. Um, my wife and I have been married for 32 years. We've had a great uh, time together. And um, currently, we're empty nesters. And, and so we're kind of going through a transition ourselves. But I've, I've been in the field of mental health for uh, a little over 30 years now. So uh, it's been been a cool journey. Yeah, one of the things that I love about you, Orlando, is that this is not what you do as your profession. And uh, and I just want to encourage people. Sometimes we can um, have giftings from the Lord that will help others in the body of Christ, but it doesn't necessarily mean that our full time job, day in and day out, is going to be that. And, right. and so can you just kind of share a little bit about what you do for a living and then how this gifting and in, in maybe even calling about 
helping people with, with counseling and has kind of looked for you uh, and what that's looked right. like. And then we'll kind of get into the topic. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting uh, journey for me. I actually have a bachelor's and master's degree in psychology, and I'm licensed in the state of North Carolina as a clinical mental health counselor. Um, I was licensed in Florida as well, worked in clinical mental health uh, centers and, and uh, psychiatric hospitals, and I had my own private practice for a little while. And so full-time, it was actually my, my profession uh, for approximately 10, 12 years. Okay. And I had uh, a little bit of a, um, uh, a uh, I actually have a practice here uh, that I'm not doing full time, but I, I do have a practice. I was a director of clinic of counseling for a local church here as well for a short while. But right now, I, 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 I'm not doing that full time, like you said, uh, yeah. but I am working um, in IT and have been working IT for about 20 years. So I made a bit of a transition uh, a, a while back ago. But um, the, you know, the calling is still there. I still uh, do it on the side. Um, and it's, it, it's always a part of me. It's never, it's, it hasn't really left. So uh, whenever I get the opportunity, uh, I make myself available to, to help people. Yeah. So. And, and I, and I just love that, you know, in, in the body of Christ, you have hands and feet and, and arms and shoulders, and we all have different roles that we we help to build the body of Christ and and this the role that you play um obviously you are licensed I didn't know you were licensed so yeah <laughs> awesome and um the how would you how would you describe your role um would you like even from a spiritual gifting standpoint yeah um so my role is really to uh sort of be the the person who goes alongside of a brother or sister. Uh, and it's kind of like the Holy Spirit is our, uh, what the Bible calls a paraclete or the one who goes alongside of us, our helper. Uh, the, 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 the role of the counselor, the way I see it, is really the someone who is the hands and the feet uh, of Jesus. Just like uh, any other person in the body of Christ could be the hands and feet of Jesus, the counselor is a, a, someone who's especially trained to do that. Um, training is really uh, important. It, you were trained to be uh, active, li good listeners and, and listening, listening to certain uh, things that the, uh, will come up in counseling that would help the, the person to move forward. So uh, like I was sharing with you the other day, a counselor, is really someone who's listening on three on many different levels so we're we're listening at the content of what the the person is saying we're looking for patterns of behavior uh, origins of their behavior uh, and i'm also uh, listening to the holy spirit and what is the holy spirit saying to this person that could uh, be a word of knowledge or or a word of wisdom or just something that the holy spirit would like to to point out in a person's life. So there's a lot of things that, that's going on in my mind when I'm listening to somebody in a counseling session, so. So let me ask you this. Um, do you have like just an example of what that might look like? So you're, you're, you're interacting with, a, with someone, you're trying to help someone, and they're maybe saying one thing, but you're hearing the Holy Spirit say something else. So you're hearing the Holy Spirit provide guidance. Do you have anything that 
uh, without naming the people, but, but just being able to share something that you feel like, yeah, this is an example of how that looked. Yeah, sure. Like, uh, so being a professional counselor, uh, we go through a normal, in, what they call intake process of, of just getting the, the person's background. And then uh, that would be like family relationships, uh, uh, any kind of uh, significant uh, experiences that they may have brought up, like abuse or or uh, addictions of any kind. Um, and as a person is talking about their experiences, uh, for instance, depression or something like that, um, the the Holy Spirit can bring a word of knowledge uh, of what may have happened uh, in a person's life uh, that may not be even that the person may not be even aware of, uh, that they might not even thought about for years. Uh, but it could be a word of knowledge like that. Uh, it could be someone they may not have thought about for a long time. But things like that can come up in really in, in any kind of uh, situation. So um, without getting any kind of specifics, you know, I mean, but the Holy Spirit is the counselor and they can, uh, the, the Holy Spirit can give that kind of level of, of, of depth of insight that the, that the uh, counselee may not even be aware of. So. so it sounds like you've had experiences where it's helped you uh, maybe hone in on it, an area that might unlock someone's life. Is that true? With the right, Holy right. Yeah. Um, again, the, you know, Jesus said that, you know, he's going to leave us a counselor. Uh, and the Holy, so I, I rely on the Holy Spirit, um, uh, in the, in the, um, counseling sessions. I, I call it, I, I kind of give it my own term and I'm sure it's not, uh, original, but I call it prayer counseling, um, where it's really a combination of my training as a psychologist, uh, and, and looking in patterns and, and diagnostic type of, of, uh, indicators, um, but also uh, um, relying on the Holy Spirit, and whenever the Holy Spirit does bring something up, stopping counseling even, and and using that moment to actually pray right then and there for for uh, for a certain area, um, and so it's it's a combination of of the two. So so in in preparing for the show, one of the things that I. I really wanted to help the listeners do is help start to kind of decipher a lot of the components of a, a person's makeup. And uh, we've kind of gone through a couple that um, we talked about and, and let's, let's just kind of dive into that. So let's start with this. So from a standpoint of like, and, and maybe I, I don't know if this is the right wording for it, but like spiritually defining some terms. Okay. Kind of giving an idea of what these terms would be like. So one of these would be feelings. Like how, how are people to understand that even spiritually or even psychologically? Sure. Well, I think the beginning point is that, you know, the Bible says that we're made in the image of God. Um, and with that, um, you know, God has emotions. Um, you know, there's there's the Bible is full of examples where God is, uh, you know, not happy with his people. I mean, I think the, the greatest example, obviously, is Jesus, where God is incarnate in the flesh. 
And so we see uh, a lot of examples in scripture where Jesus had many different types of emotions. You know, Jesus wept uh, in, in the Bible. Um, so that's the starting point. So the, the emotions really are, are ingrained in us because we are made in the image of God and we, we have those emotions. So they're part of our, of our makeup. Um, so they are, so feelings are really are neutral. They're neither good nor bad. Okay. But I think what happens is, is what, what people do with the feelings. Uh, if, you know, the Bible says, uh, be angry, but don't sin, you know? Uh, so you, it's okay to be angry, but if people uh, get angry and then they do something that would be, uh, you know, considered a negative behavior, whatever that may be, uh, then that's when it, the, the emotions can lead to some behaviors that are really negative. Um, but then, you know, we have uh, feelings that will lead to good behaviors as well. So uh, it really depends on what you do with that emotion. I think the problems that people get is when uh, there's certain feelings that will lead to depression, uh, you know, like feelings of shame or guilt, condemnation. Those feelings I would consider call categorize them as negative emotions uh, because they will lead to to feelings of of inadequacy. They'll feel lead to feelings of of, of uh, uh, poor self esteem, um, feeling negative about yourself as as a person and who God made you to be. Uh, so those are, uh, are are feelings that that are that can lead to those kinds of consequences. Yeah. Um, God obviously does not want us to have uh, a negative self image. You know, He wants us to to uh, to know who we are in him and to be uh to be encouraged and to to walk in joy and peace that's his will for us so i think part of the um of the uh counseling process of somebody who comes to me is to to identify those areas that uh, is causing the person to feel uh ashamed or, or feel guilty what's driving that and a lot of times um those those emotions are driven by certain thoughts, uh, belief systems that we have uh, ingrained in our mind. Um, and so uh, we have to identify what those beliefs are. And it's also where, where did, you know, it's helpful to find out where do those beliefs come from? What, what are the origins of those beliefs? Um, so that's the process that I try to help people with, but, and that's the, um, that's kind of like the uh, uh, the process of counseling, but then the power to break those uh, thought pro the, those belief systems is really where uh, God's word, the authority of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit comes in, yeah. because traditional um, psychology, traditional uh, counseling theory, or psychological theories about men. Um, is uh doesn't really have the 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 power to 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 uh destroy those kind of belief systems you know behavioral theories uh that have tried to uh come up with the behavioral therapies that break those thought processes in my opinion don't really have the the power to break those negative thoughts it's really through the power of the holy spirit that that would break them so let's talk about thoughts then 
Um, so how would you, what is your, what's your, give us some insight into that, right? Because a lot of, we, we all have so many thoughts. Um, and, and how would you categorize that? Is that all us thinking? Is it an interaction? Is it like, what are, what are your thoughts made of? Like, can you give us some, some insight into that? Sure. Um, thoughts. Um, so our mind is kind of like a, um, uh, in psychology, it's called tabula rasa. It's, it's basically a blank, uh, blank plate, a slate, you know, and the thoughts will come through us from through many different uh, sources. Uh, and in in the Bible, uh, you know, God speaks to the, uh, their to the, his people. So God can speak to us through through our thoughts, through dreams and visions, through all sorts. He can speak to us. He can even speak to us audibly. But um, so that's how God speaks to us. But Conversely, uh, Satan also speaks to us. Um, he he will put uh, he can interject uh, negative thoughts into our mind as well. Uh, the Bible says that we we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, but against powers, principalities, and and rulers of darkness. And so, um, both God and the devil or demons can can put thoughts into our mind. Uh, we have our own thoughts and beliefs that we that we have in our minds based on certain experiences that we we grew up with or people have spoken into our lives good things or bad things and we've absorbed those thoughts into our mind and we they have somehow um made it into our our uh, world view about how we view ourselves or how we view others and so those those are really the the sources of our thoughts now um, the, the, the good thoughts are, are the ones that build us up. They, 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 they're the ones who make us feel, uh, confident of who we are in God. And those, those are, um, those, those are the thoughts, obviously we want to keep to our, uh, in, in our belief system. Um, but then there's negative thoughts that, uh, that we've also absorbed into our worldview as well. Um, and those are the ones that we have to uh, challenge, you know, um, things that our parents have said about us. And they, they may not have been things that they, um, it could have been a casual thing that they might have, anybody could have said about us, but somehow they, we, they have been absorbed into our, into our belief system. Um, that's where we, we, for those types of thoughts, that's where we have to take the word of God and say, okay, what does God say about me? You know, what what does God say about who I am? Uh, for instance, Psalms one thirty nine says, you know, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, I have known you even before uh, you were born. You know, I know you're coming in, and I know you're going out. And so God thinks about us. In Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, the uh, the the Bible says that you know I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good and not for evil to plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Um, so we, what we do to challenge those thoughts is that we, we take those types of those scriptures and what God says to us and we take it by faith. We, we, we take the word of God and we say, what God says is true. And no matter how I feel about myself, because um, we, we may not feel 
at, at that moment that we believe really believe what God is saying to us in the Bible. We take it by faith. And the process of, of challenges faith, uh, challenging those thoughts is, is declaring it back to God in prayer and saying, I take, and just say it back to God and say, Lord, your word says that, that your thoughts are me for me are for good and they are not for evil. Your word says that you, you have plans to prosper me, prosper me, to give me hope and a future. And I declare that to you, Father, back in faith. And that's, and then the last step is really to, to ask for greater revelation from the Holy Spirit to, to give us greater revelation of what God says in his word. Because um, the, the revelation of God's word is what will get it into our spirit. Yeah, so let, let's stop there for a minute because yeah. I think this is the place I, I also want to go about the soul and their spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, you have our spirit, and you have the soul. Mm-hmm. And, or or in the flesh is kind of in there somewhere too. So yeah. Can you help kind of decipher for us, dissect some of that? You like our spirit, the Holy Spirit, the soul, the flesh. Like, how are these things different? Well, we're 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 made out of body, soul, and spirit, as you as you mentioned, and um, the uh, the body obviously is our is our you know is our human flesh. Um, our soul is what I like to consider the, the mind, the emotions, the, our will, um, and our spirit is is the the part that communes with God. You know, we we commune with God spirit to spirit. And we can feel God's presence as well. So they're intertwined. Um, and so you really can't separate body, soul, and spirit because we are uh, what people say a tripart a tripartite being. Just like the the God is a, a trinity, uh, we are a trinity in a sense as well, because we're made out of body, soul, and spirit. And if one part uh, in our of our being is doing well then it affects the other parts as well. And, and, and if one part of our being is not doing well, then it affects the other parts as well. So yeah. it's very much all interrelated. Um, so when we talk about the realm of the mind, uh, and sp- we're talking really about the soul, is our mind's uh, will and emotions, and uh, the way we feel and what we think about ourselves is can very much affect uh, our spirit. So it's yeah. all intertwined. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, as a new Christian, you know, one of my favorite scriptures was in First Corinthians, and it talked about us being a new creation, right? Mm-hmm. It's gone, and the new has come. And one of the ways that I interpreted that scripture was, I have Jesus, so I am a completely transformed person. Right. And then I was surprised by my thoughts and my feelings because I thought, well, I'm new. So I should be thinking different and I should be feeling different. And then when people would present the idea of counseling, sometimes I resisted it because I was like, well, I'm a new creation. I don't really need help. Uh, I'm born again. I have all the help I need. But yet I still had this Achilles heel of thinking negatively and, and struggling with negative emotions. Right. What is that? 
uh, how would you describe that scenario? Yeah, um, well, it is true that when Second uh, Corinthians what five seventeen I think it is yeah. that uh, that we if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new that is obviously true we are born again in, in John three right um, and so I think what that means is that we have been redeemed uh, the theological term is justification we have been justified before God. And so we have a new beginning. We are no longer um, separated from God, but we have now been uh, joined back together with Him. Yeah. Now, obviously, the the um, in at least in this life, uh, we we are that that uh, process of uh, joining with God it has not been perfected. Mm-hmm. There is a process of what uh, there's a theological term called sanctification. Uh, that needs to to happen uh, in our lives where we are being perfected after the image of God. So um, because we still have a lot of of um, maturing spiritually to to do in this life. And I think uh, a big part of that uh, of the why we got places here in this life and on this earth is to to mature uh, in in the image of God uh, in this uh part of of history in his in his plan yeah uh, once we die uh we we obviously uh get into another realm where we see god for who he is and we will be changed um but this life is all about walking with him in faith and to uh to trust him and to know him uh, where uh we we uh walk closer with him so it is a mystery i, I mean uh, there in Romans seven, Paul talks about that, where he says that the things that I want to do, I don't do, but the things I do, you know, you know, <laughs> don't want to do, I do. So there's this uh, turmoil. It's it's a conflict for internally that's happening in each of us. Uh, but he says later in that chapter, he says, who can who can deliver me from from this conflict? Well, it's through Christ Jesus, our Lord, and it's basically through abiding in him resting in jesus but also declaring his word in us by the authority of his name and through the power of the holy spirit and this is what i'm trying to get at really is is the the whole thing about declaring god's word over our life is the process of abiding in him um because we have to declare his truth in our lives it's not it's not enough to just read the Bible and to to know it in our minds. Mm-hmm. It has to get down into our spirit. And when we get it down to our spirit, that's when our, our minds get changed. And that whole process of getting it down to our spirit is through conversing with, conversing with God, talking to God about what his word says about us. And that's what we call prayer. <laughs> So prayer is really a conversation with God. So getting the word of God into our language, into our prayer life and allowing the spirit to work it in our in our in our spirit. It's kind of like working a muscle. Mm -hmm. So like the verses that I was telling you about, uh, like Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you hope in a future. Because a lot of people in, uh, uh, you know, they don't have hope. They, They don't feel like God 
uh, has a good plan for them. They feel like God has left them. They feel God is not there for them all the time. Um, and so when we declare that verse in our lives, trusting God that what he says is true, despite how you feel about it, declaring it in faith, that's how, and, and speaking it back to God, and asking God for greater revelation of what that what that truth means to us, um, that's where God is going to start to, to speak to us about that truth. Yeah, and that's how like, you. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like what you're saying is that counseling um, can play a role in the sanctification process of the sanctification of your feelings, mm -hmm. and the sanctification of your thoughts. Right. Is that, is that a good understanding? Yes, and the role of, yes, it is. It's, uh, I consider counseling really, uh, it can be very much part of the discipleship process, hmm. uh, walking alongside believers and helping them to grow in their walk with God. And as we grow with our walk with God, we grow it in our walk as, as human beings. We mature, they, they go hand in hand. So the the counselor, and it doesn't have to be a professional counselor. It could be it could be anybody really, um, but I think the advantage of a professional counselor is that we can um, that we've been trained to listen to have to to listen for certain um, uh, things in a person's life, and we also are trained for to to kind of discern between psychiatric disorders as well. Uh, uh, there, there are biological basis for behavior as well, and whether uh, this can be a clinical issue uh, in a person's life, whether they may need psychiatric help with medication or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, but for the most part, um, you know, uh, what I'm talking about in terms of the word of God is, is more of a pastoral thing, really almost. And the the counselor kind of uh, serves almost a, like a pastoral role. So. Yeah, so so let's talk about discernment because I think discernment is so key, and I think is lacking a lot in the immature for sure, mm -hmm. of of misdiagnosing uh, voices like mm -hmm. thoughts they're having, misdiagnosing or understanding, or discerning feelings. Uh, can you help us in that space? Like I think of, you know, the voice of the, our flesh or our soul, the voice of the devil, the voice of God, our own voice, like in uh, the feelings that are associated with those things. And can you help? Like, how do you help people decipher that stuff? Yeah, well, you're right. We have there's, uh, you know, in a, in a course of a day, we have thousands of things that are running through our mind, voices from all sorts of different directions. Uh, our internal voice, uh, God's voice, the devil's voice. And so um, I think that the easiest way to decipher who, what, uh, who's, who the voice is coming from is, if it's coming from God, it's going to lead to you, um, to, to faith, it's going to lead to encouragement, it's going to lead to hope it's going to lead to all of these positive things and it's uh, to that god desires for us it's going to lead to for us to love uh, our neighbor better it's going to lead to love for god more to even to love for ourselves it's going to lead to those types of positive things 
and if it comes from the devil, it's probably going to lead to shame, to guilt, to condemnation, feeling bad about ourselves, feeling bad about God, feeling bad about others. Uh, a lot of resentment, grumbling, complaining, uh, those types of thoughts more than likely are not from God. <laughs> yeah, so so I think one of the things that are, that's, I mean, we are, a, a, like you said, a triune being. And sometimes when there is an, a heavy, strong emotion tied to an idea, it is very difficult for people, it was for me, to discern truth because that feels true mm -hmm. about myself, about my situation, about my circumstance, about the world, about mm -hmm. God himself. So how do you unlodge people from, and I think you've said it several times through the word of God, but, but I don't know, is there more to it? <laughs> like unlodge, like, like, like log, break that log jam. Cause people get so entrenched and, and, and I would say as a side question, like where does belief reside, right? You know, it's kind of a side thing because all of that ultimately forms a belief. I believe this. The Bible says this. Uh, I've heard it said uh, there's practical theology and personal theology. So practical theology or uh, biblical theology is Jesus loves me. Uh, personal theology is I don't think Jesus loves me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's my experience or that's my thoughts about it. So how yeah. do you get people? Is it? Yeah. Just how, how do you help people in that way? So. I can speak, um, I think, first of all, is to identify those thoughts uh, and to to write them down. Um, and I think the process of doing that is really to sit down and be quiet uh, for a while. And to, um, and this is really a, a practice, a, a spiritual discipline of of solitude. Because when you're by yourself and you're alone and you, uh, it, it gives you the opportunity to finally listen to yourself. Mm. Um, and the process of meditation, for instance, is, is really a process of, of like I said, uh, being by yourself and listening to what, to what you, what's going through your mind. Most people uh, don't do this because they're too busy. Uh, to to listen to what they're really to really what they're thinking, uh, they go through life not really taking the time. But I think that it's a process of dialing down. Uh, the Bible says, "Be still and know that I'm God." You have to be still. You have to dial down and be quiet for a while, and you'll be surprised when you do that how many thoughts will all of a sudden start popping through your mind, and. It's a, uh, once these uh, uh, thoughts start popping up in your mind, then you write them on down on a piece of paper, and and uh, and and just start jotting down these thoughts. Um, and then when when you take an inventory of these thoughts, then you can uh, start to see what you really are believing, what you really are thinking. Uh, let me just take giving you an example. Um, in, in my what happened today in my own life sure. um been really busy at work uh uh issues were coming up uh, i was being thrown you know 10 things at the same time 
and wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> and um, my natural tendency, obviously, is to start grumbling, just start complaining. Um, and but you know, I didn't realize that I was really complaining. I, I just started to do it. it. It was, and it's not something that I was necessarily even doing verbally. I just started to kind of complain inside my mind uh, that, well, this guy should have done this. He should have done that. You know, I can't stand. Why are we having this issue? Da, 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 da. I mean, you can kind of go down the list and you can start uh, thinking about what, what happens in this situation. Well, the, the Holy Spirit has been teaching me lately to stop. Listen to myself. L listen to my spirit. W what kind of spirit am I having right now? It's a grumbling spirit. It's a complaining spirit. It's a, a spirit that's very unhappy. But I, I, it took the Holy Spirit to, to kind of catch me and say, stop for a minute. And when I, when I stopped, I realized that I'm really complaining in my mind. I'm not happy about a lot of things. And so I had to stop and I said, and I prayed and I said, Lord, even in the midst of this situation right now, I asked that you would give me a heart of thanks, a heart of gratitude. And I, and I, I reject these, this grumbling spirit right now. I reject the complaining right now that I'm doing. And it, it actually, I can literally feel the, the stress go, go leave me. You know, I can literally, there's a physical uh, reaction that I had when I prayed that prayer and I can feel it leaving. So one of the things that has been my experience, and I want to help people in this way, in that they have thoughts uh, and feelings, um, and, and then they feel the accusation, right? The accusation of these thoughts and feelings. Do you, have you, how do you help people deal with what I would call the accuser? Right, that's constantly accusing, because uh, that the the Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. Like, how do you help help people kind of not take that on? Because I'm telling you, people that are listening, if you think every single thought and feeling is yours, and you take ownership of that and the accusation for every thought and feeling, um, you're probably being duped somehow. Right. Right. And I think um, I think the biggest thought that the devil will throw our way is if you have done something that you shouldn't have done. Yeah. Uh, I think you know, um, and then the devil will say, "Well, look at you. You know, you call yourself a Christian, but you did that. You know, fill in the blank, whatever that is. You know, how could you do that? You shouldn't. You know, you just just give it up. You know, you're you're not living up to what God says you should." And then uh, it, it basically, like you said, it's, a, it's a, an accusatory voice. It's going to lead to guilt and condemnation. And the trick is this. Um, when we do something that we shouldn't have done, we confess it before God, we repent of it, and we run back to God immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, don't wait don't wait give yourself any time to to uh to to kind of growl in your in your guilt or anything like that but go run back to god immediately because the longer you wait and live in, in a sense of guilt and condemnation the more the devil has you and to immediately reject the thoughts of condemnation because the bible says 
if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the devil would want us to, to, to live in our guilt and condemnation even after we, we confessed and uh, repented of that sin. Uh, but the, the best thing to do is once after you've done that is to run back to God immediately. I, I, th I, I remember I, I was reading the passage in the Old Testament when David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He, uh, the baby was born. Uh, I mean, the baby was conceived, and but the baby got ill, and um, David prayed and fasted for God to save the baby's life, but then it, it, the baby died. Um, once the the baby, he found out that the baby died, he uh, he washed himself. The Bible says he, and then he uh, he ate, and then he went to the temple and worshipped God. And it's, the scripture says that his servants were wondering why he was doing that. You know, now that the babies died, but the scripture said, but David said, well, you know, I can't do anything. The baby's, uh, the baby's dead. I will go to, the ba to him and, and, and not to me. So you see a picture there where David, he threw himself at God even after he did what he did. And he relied, he trusted completely on the mercy of God and upon his forgiveness. He, he didn't growl in his sense of condemnation and he didn't put himself sort of in a purgatory for a short while, but he, he immediately, after he found out the baby died, he worshiped God. And we need to follow the same thing. Um, we, once we, are forgiven by God, we run to God immediately. And I think that's the key, um, is to run to God. Don't run away from God. Run to God. Yeah. Do you think that people struggle with their belief that God would forgive them or receive them? I think they do because I feel like, uh, I think that people feel like, okay, I, I've committed this sin. I feel like I need to pay uh, even after I've com confessed my sin and know that I'm forgiven, I feel like I have to pay uh, for for doing this sin. Uh, but it, it, you know, you know, thinking that thought is is really more like uh, that. That's not God's will. First, first of all, um, it's not His plan. We we have to simply trust that God has forgiven us, even after we uh, have sinned and and and. Um, have done it multiple times. I mean, it could be a, a sin of addiction. It could be a, uh, you know, addictive sins, uh, sins of addiction. Uh, there's a repetitive nature about it. Um, and, but the key is once you fall, you need to get up. And uh, in, even in behavioral therapies, they call that relapse prevention. Relapse prevention means basically uh, is if when a person has relapsed into whatever addiction it is, is to get up as soon as possible so that, and to get back on the wagon, so to speak, so that you can prevent the relapse uh, from prolonging too long. What, what would be your advice to people that, that um, have fallen, they have maybe come back to God, but then the consequence of their sin or their actions um, have ramifications. Sure. 
Yeah, and and like, how do you advise people to kind of handle with the fallout, if you will, of their sin? They may be forgiven by God, but there will be other consequences. Right. Help people. Well, I think the first step is to get right with God. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, um, yeah, that's that's a key starting point. But then, obviously, like you said, there's. Uh, the fallout of the consequences of our behavior and how it affected uh, other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's, there's, you know, uh, a, an amount of restitution that needs to happen. Um, a building of trust of relationships, uh, whatever they may be. And that's where it's going to, it could possibly take time. Um, and that could take a lot of, uh, um, counsel probably from from uh, from people that you trust uh sensitivity and how to handle uh those the building up of relationships again so it, it's not um you know there's no one single answer for that except for that it, you have to take those types of things more slowly and ask for god for wisdom and how to handle and approach uh those uh affected relationships uh, because of our behavior. Um, what role does humility play in that? It's tremendous. Uh, obviously, um, we have to be humble, first of all, before God and, 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 and cry out for his mercy. Um, and humility is um, before God, humility before people who have been affected by our, our actions asking for forgiveness um and people may not be ready to forgive us uh you know they may never forgive us but um we have to trust god uh for how how uh, how that's going to be worked out because we obviously you know we have no control about how other people are going to react because that's between them and god but we have to be responsible for what we've done yeah. uh, and to do as much as we are able to within our own control to 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 provide that restitution uh, to other people. You know, one of the fruits of the spirit is patience. Yeah. And I and and one of the things I want to tell listeners, and this is from personal experience for sure, is that the people that you have potentially hurt or are negatively damaged aren't God. Mm-hmm. So to expect them to forgive like God immediately, completely, wholly, as if nothing ever happened is a very, very tall order for sure. to put on people. Yeah. And, and one of the fruits of the spirit is patience. Mm-hmm. So being patient and loving and humble through a process, um, God can give you the grace. Mm-hmm. Um to do that in though they may respond as if you're not forgiven it doesn't mean you're not forgiven it just means that they're not god and they're right right if someone were to wrong you um you're there are different people have different capacities to forgive and forget right and uh, and you need to be gracious in understanding that Right, right. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, 
I think that that's where humility comes in as well. Um, I think we just have to be, we have to own up to, to our part. Yeah. Um, and to be responsible for, for what we've done, uh, to confess our sin before the people that we've hurt as well. Um, and, and just take uh, it, the healing process will take time. Um, but you know, never underestimate the power of what God can do in healing a relationship. I mean, I've heard testimonies where uh, the, the people were were victimized um, uh, of sexual abuse, and through the power of God, they were able to meet their the person who abused them face to face and actually forgive them to their face. And that's the power of God. Um, but I think it was a process for them uh, to get to that point. Um, I think that uh, the other the other part of that, that whole equation is uh, the the whole question about justice, uh, because either you've been wronged or or you've wronged somebody else. You know, God is a God of justice, and um, you know our sins have to somehow be um, judged at some point. You know, and God is our judge. He loves justice, and we may not see the entire picture in this life, but God is going to straighten out everything and he's going to uh, judge and uh, with extreme precision um, everything that's gone that we've done everything has everybody's done wrong in this life. <laughs> um, so um, we have to trust God for a sense of justice as well because, uh, that sense of justice is part of, of the healing process, I think, as well, uh, that God is our judge. You, you know, either, you know, we've been wronged, you know, we have to trust God is our judge, or the people that we've wronged, they have to trust in that as well. So, yeah, that's powerful. So one of the ways, uh, one of the things I was so excited to have you on the show about was around spiritual warfare, because mm -hmm. a lot of times inner healing in spiritual warfare are kind of, they're seen as these separate things. And whereas and when I was talking to you, Orlando, you were talking about Psalm 18, you know, he trains our hands for war. And, and you were talking about this kind of revelation of, of the warfare aspect of counseling um, and coming out. And I, and I just would love to hear your thoughts on that and just, how you how you've dealt with or how you've counseled people from a warfare standpoint as they come out of lies into the truth to stay yeah safe. yeah but basically everything that we've been talking about really is spiritual warfare <laughs> um because basically what we're we're fighting up against are these these thoughts uh that um uh, that i believe can come from the devil um, because um, so part of counseling is just to uh, to train teach people how to do that um, but as, as far as um, spiritual warfare itself I, I do believe that you know when people engage in certain types of behavior uh, they can they are opening themselves up to the demonic 
um, and that it can um, can lead to to demonic oppression, um, and and it, you basically and if you um, engage in a certain type of behavior repeatedly, it can build up to uh, what the Bible calls a stronghold in your life, where it's a certain area of your life where you've given it over to sin so repeatedly that the devil basically owns that part of your life and you become a slave in bondage to that sin um and you have no control over it anymore so i think the 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 first thing to do that uh uh the bible teaches is to identify those areas of your life that you that a person may have given over to to sin and the devil and to uh repent of it um unfortunately a lot of times uh people um are not ready yet to to repent of that sin they're they they haven't got, gotten to the point where they bottom out uh to to repent of a sin um and and they have to reach to that point um i think there's a saying that goes that uh, people don't change when they see the light. It, people change when they feel the heat. Um, and so people need to feel the heat more before they actually will change uh, their lifestyle. Um, people who come to counseling, though, uh, they're uh, in a usually they're in a crisis in a crisis of some kind. So um, when people come to me, they're they're you know. Uh, they're ready to change uh, at least certain parts of their life. Um, and in those parts of their life, they're ready to, to bring it before God. Uh, and in that process, there's a process of repentance, uh, but there's also the process of renunciation of, of uh, certain things, uh, of, um, of certain behaviors that they've done. And the difference between repentance and renunciation is Repentance is basically saying, okay, I'm going to turn around and, of where I'm going right now, and I'm going to turn back to God. And renunciation means that you want, you don't, you're basically making a declaration that I have, I don't want to have anything to do with what I used to do before. Uh, I completely uh, renounce it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. So uh, it's an active process of, of giving that up completely and it's not a a, a one-time thing um it's a process renunciation repentance it can also be a process uh where you have to do it repeatedly um so you have repentance renunciation but there's also prayers of there's also del, uh, possible deliverance that can that may need to happen as well where the uh there could be demonic oppression and influence in a person's life to the extent where we have to cast out devils we have to cast out demons and uh through the authority of jesus christ um so and we have examples of those in, in scripture as well um so there's three parts there there's those three parts of it um again it's it, it's not a one-time thing um, I think the the whole um, discussion that we had about taking scripture 
uh, and 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 taking it and and including it into our conversation with God is a is a is a daily thing, because after we repented, after we renounced, even if there's um, uh, prayers of, of deliverance, we have to maintain uh, uh, that abiding in Christ, so that we have a daily victory in our lives uh, over certain areas of our life, because especially if there was a stronghold in our life that we've given up, uh, that we've lived in for, for decades uh, in our life, the devil is going to want to come back and tempt us to, to uh, and allow us, to, uh, tempt us to allow him back into that, into that area of our life. So there's a certain vigilance that we have to have and uh so we have to have a daily victory in our life uh and so it's not just a one-time thing yeah so so i so i was a counselor for a season in my life and mm -hmm. i was a substance abuse counselor and so i was exposed to aa and na and many of the 12-step programs and one of the fundamental beliefs of the 12-step programs is around the idea that you are um kind of one step away from a drink Mm -hmm. away from a drink and so you may be uh, an alcoholic that is free for 30 years but you have a strong belief that um you may be just one meeting missed meeting away from drinking again or mm -hmm. missed uh one step away from drinking again and and i i the thing i want to ask you is do you believe that when God sets us free and we begin the race, that we are in that precarious place for the rest of our life. Uh, how, how would you describe the Christian walk and what God provides from a freedom standpoint? Does it look like that or does it look different? Uh, well, I, I think that we're definitely free, um, but I think for somebody who, who is a recovering alcoholic, I would I would recommend to that person not to be free to hang out in bars. <laughs> yeah, right, um, right. And I think that there's there's wisdom that we have to exercise um, uh, in, in that type of thing because in behavioral psychology there are certain cues that would tip us off uh, to uh, to, to uh, want to have a drink, like if we go down a certain street or if there's there's got a lot of bars in it, or if we hang out with certain friends that used, you know, you we used to to go out of bars. I mean, there's certain things that we have to change about our life that won't tempt us to to engage in those types of behaviors anymore. Uh, for men, we have to be careful about going to certain websites or things like that. Um, so we have to use wisdom. I mean, there's it's definitely true that Christ has set us free. Um, but uh, the Bible says, don't let your freedom be an excuse to cause anybody to sin, you know, uh, especially ourselves. So, um, yeah, I, I we just have to use wisdom with that. Yeah, I think the scripture, that's a good analogy is when Jesus said, if, you're, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your mm -hmm. hand causes you to sin, gouge it out. And so Jesus was basically saying, you may live a more limited life. To be free um, yeah yeah exactly i mean uh whatever's hindering you from your relationship with god tear it out um 
And there's a lot of debate, you know, uh, whether he was talking literally or whether he was talking symbolically. But I, I, think, <laughs> I think he was talking symbolically. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that what I think the point is that uh, tear out whatever is causing hindrance in your life with your relationship with God. You know, one of the encouraging scriptures that I've used through the years is a scripture in Proverbs that says the path of the righteous is like the noonday sun. Mm hmm grows brighter and brighter till full day. Yeah. And, and the reason I like that scripture is because it shows a progression mm -hmm. of an increase of light. And, right. and I believe that as a Christian, you have the ability not to be one step away from sin, but 30 years away from sin. That doesn't mean you won't be or not incapable of sinning, but it does mean that the visceral hand-to-hand -hand combat of combating an addictive sin uh, or, you know, alcoholism or whatever uh, is not going to be as visceral every single day. Right, right. I do think that um, you, you can set anyone can reach a point uh, in, in their life where sins, besetting sins, can uh can be less besetting for them yeah. um i can attest that to my own life um and where you where, where god can give you 100 percent victory uh, with that sin now again you we have to exercise wisdom uh, but it won't be that it won't have a hold on you as it did before um and it, it can you can walk in more freedom and i i think that's really the whole point of, of God's plan is that we walk in more freedom uh, in our life because uh, you know when we um, when we are born we are we have this we are sin nature and we are held in bondage to this sin nature and as we grow and mature in Christ that sin nature has less and less of a hold on us and that's really what we're talking about yeah, amen. So the analogy that that helps me understand this is a, a running a runner's analogy. Mm -hmm. so the Bible talks about uh, run the race. Um, now I'm really not going to do well on this scripture, but run the race uh, set before you. Right, mm -hmm. it's set before you. And a lot of times, people in their Christianity is behind the starting line, meaning that a lot of what we're talking about. Um, is getting believers up to the starting line, mm -hmm. getting them free from the encumbrances, free from the hindrances, free from the sin. But it's not total freedom. It's just getting you to the starting point. Yeah. Now you have to learn to run the race that God has called you to run. And in that running, there will even be obstacles. Right. And, and I think that that's um, what I would ask you to kind of give us insight on is, let's say we've gotten to that starting point. We've been freed. We've renounced. We've repented. I kind of see repentance and renouncement is getting us to the starting line. Mm -hmm. Maybe the call of God or the, 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 the race that God's calling us to run and, and live like. But even in that race, which is always an endurance race, everyone be clear. It's not a sprint or right. an endurance race. 
um, there, the devil seems to want to come back and visit us at these mile markers um, along the way. Uh, how, how have you advised people uh, and counseled people with that? Well, I think the main thing uh, I would say to that is once you're in a race, God does not want you to quit. Um, don't quit. <laughs> I think that the, the, the measure of success that God uses is not so many times you fell as so much whether you've quit or not. And I, I, rem I use the example of Peter. Um, Jesus already knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. But Jesus did not pray that G that Peter would not deny him, but Jesus prayed that Peter's faith would not fail. And faith is what keeps us in the race, okay? So Jesus knew uh, that Peter was going to fail, and he failed. And in, in Scripture, the Gospel says that uh, when he, uh, Peter heard the cock throw, uh, crow at the third time, he actually looked at Jesus at, with the eye, and then he wept. Um, but then Jesus rein, reinstated Peter by asking him, Peter, do you love me three times? And so God is more interested in our faith and making sure that we continue to have faith. Um, in the end, it's all about faith in the journey. So stay on the path. Jesus is our shepherd. He will lead us, but never lose faith. No matter how many times you may fall, get back up because God loves you and he will forgive you. Just get back up and get then start following him again on the path because he will lead you because he is our shepherd. It really, really is as simple as that. Um, so that, that's the way I think the Bible, uh, gives us a picture of. So I, I tend to have Bible verses always in my head that I have no reference to. So this is in the old Testament somewhere. And it talks about the righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. Right. Exactly. And he may, he may yeah. fall seven times, but he, but he gets back up. And, and it sounds like the, the thing that you're laying out for us is the power to get back up, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there is a power to keep going. Right. Yep. Get back up and, and run to God um, because he will never forsake you. He will never leave you. Um, I remember, uh, you know, remember the story of the prodigal son. Um, the, the father was always looking for the son. He was always looking for the son, wondering where he was, when he will come back. He always had the hope of the son coming back. And when he did, he embraced the son. And if I don't know if you've ever looked at Rembrandt's uh, representation of that scene, but it was the scene of the father embracing the son with both hands. And the father had both hands in the back of his son. And Rembrandt actually painted that picture with a with a with a man's hand and also a female's hand um, so that 
there's this God is both. He's both mother and father, and he's embracing the prodigal son and and just with with his with his entire being. And so God is ready to embrace us whenever we run back to him. Um, so we just have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, it, Orlando, it's been such an honor to, to have you on and, and, and to share some of your, your insights. Um, b- before we go, I definitely want you to pray for the listeners okay. uh, and kind of where they may be. But, but any, any last comments before we do that? Uh, no, thanks for having me, Troy, uh, on your sh- podcast. I really appreciate it. I, I, I just want to encourage people that um, God truly loves them. Um, we are living uh, in a very unique age right now, uh, in particular, and I think that the uh, the enemy is going to press against his people, God's people, even more. But God is, um, but God is always there for us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We have to trust in him, have faith, and stand strong against the enemy. Yeah, amen. Well, let, let's go ahead. Why don't you pray for the listeners? Thank you. Okay, Lord, we thank you that you are good. You are gracious. You are merciful. You are kind. And you love your people. You love your people. Lord, you gave yourself on the cross for redemption of your people and you rose the third day that we may have life through the spirit through the holy spirit and i pray father right now for your people and i pray your blessings would rest upon them whoever is discouraged whoever is struggling with certain areas of their life that that is um getting them uh to uh to not know who you are and who you made them to be, Father. I pray that for each person, Lord, that you would speak to them in the language that they understand, Lord, because you are their teacher, Holy Spirit. You are their counselor. You are their helpmate. So, Lord, speak to your people. Bless them. Keep them. Make your face to shine down upon them. Be gracious to them and lift up your countenance upon them, O God. Grant them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Orlando, thank you so much. And, and I think I just want to leave the listeners with, with this scripture, which may be from Philippians, but I know it's in the New Testament. And it was Paul's encouragement that said, let us live up to, the, to what we've already obtained. Let us live up to what we've already obtained. And in Christ, we can make ground. We can make progress. We can start running. And, um, and Amen. Paul, get back up and don't go back to the starting line. Just keep running. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.